Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. I'm Tina Spring, and I'm here joined by my co-host, Julie Banana Fudge Smith, and welcome to Your Family Dog. Today, we're going to have a second episode with my good friend, Karen Dees from Texas, and she's going to talk to us about the importance of play with our dogs and maybe even how to get dogs like mine, who think play with humans is kind of dumb, to actually start doing that with us. Yeah. So you have these dogs that are a little unusual. They're kind of feral. Um, and the way I look at play is I want to see how the dogs play naturally in their own environment. Do they play in their environment? Do they play with each other? Do they chase each other? Do they um, wrestle with each other? Do they pick up sticks and throw them around? Do they dig? What do they do to play naturally? And we want to kind of enhance that and encourage that with us. And that might mean if you have that dog that likes to dig in the sand, guess what your play might be? You're digging with your dog in a sandbox. That might be your dog's type of play. Not every dog wants to fetch a ball. Not every dog wants to play tug. In fact, for a lot of dogs, it can be quite confrontational. So, you know, I really want to look at how do your dogs have fun without you? And then how can we interject you into that picture? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes great sense. I think I um, it's a good window into how to instigate play. And and I'm thinking about, um, we have this little feral dog who's living with us now. And we have a cat who's like fantastic with dogs. And so we're trying to get the the cat to play with the this little dog. So I just tied a ribbon <laughs> to the dog's collar because it's like kryptonite for the cat. And so now the cat's like instigating play with this little dog and they're sorting it out. So I just used what would normally work for the cat and just added it to the dog instead of me playing with a ribbon. So I think that's that's a brilliant And that might be, I don't know, so that's the cat playing with the dog, but do we want the dog to play with the cat? So we have to look at that puppy or that dog and say, okay, so how does this dog play with your other dogs? Or how does it play with things in the environment? Does it bat things around with their feet? Does it use their mouth? Those are windows into opportunities that we can enhance. And so I don't know, what is your, what is this little puppy doing? Give me some examples. What's happening with the cat now? So, so currently it's, he's playing keep away with his rope, right? He's like, don't, you don't touch my rope. And the cat's like, I'm going to touch your rope. And that's, and it's become, um, definitely more play oriented instead of just resource guarding. Um, but part of the issue is other than fetch, this dog doesn't actually really play. And he has a pretty significant case of laryngeal paralysis. So Big, heavy exercise gets dangerous, right? So, again, me and my island of misfit toys, everybody (laughs) has some sort of bizarre, crazy thing going on. So it's how do we get social interaction? He's a little bit afraid of the other dogs, though tolerates them. I figured the cat 
was more his size than an easier sell. Okay. He's lived with cats before. So that's where that bridge came from. Okay. So does he like his, he likes his rope toy. Does he like to shake it? So no, no, no. He doesn't play with a rope toy. Okay. The, I call the ribbon his rope. Oh, ribbon. Okay. So, gotcha, gotcha. so he has like his, this rope that's tied to his collar. He's playing with the cat and they're not playing tug. Um, it's more the cat's batting that around behind him and Rizzo is trash talking him and telling him to leave the like and they're bouncy. It's all big play bows, bouncy flop from the cat. Like it's all very obviously moving into a direction of play, not not conflict. Okay. Um, but it's trying to introduce a new play style to him. Okay, so my, my question to you is how can you imitate, once we do develop a play between the cat and the dog, how can you become more like a cat? So probably not very well uh, or very easily. So maybe we look at the ribbon. If the ribbon is part of it, do we put the ribbon now on a string and you're sitting on the floor and you make the ribbon move? Is the dog going to chase the ribbon versus chase the cat? Because the chat right. cat's chasing the ribbon. Um, it might be that you play literally a game of peekaboo. Right. And you play footsies or, you know, with your fingers um, on the ground and you pitter pat your hands on the ground and the, the dog pounces at your hands. You may have to keep things really, really low. It's real important to kind of meet the dogs where you are. If you walk up to a dog and say, hey, let's play. And the dog is going, oh, my God, I like a soft indoor, indoor voice, please. And you have just scared the heck out of that dog. So you want to kind of get down on their level, talk their tone of voice. If they're a little shy, you be a little shy. So you really want to meet the dogs where they are. And um, so that may mean you have to lower yourself. You're now becoming a little cat. You're not so problematic. You're not so big because you're you're down on their level, so to speak. So it's important that we kind of do that. And maybe we, you know, we get down on our hands and knees if that's possible. Some of us have a problem with that. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe you tie a ribbon to you and you become the cat. I don't know. Those are just some right. suggestions that um, you kind of have to go, okay, what has the dog been doing with the cat? Now, how can I interject myself? And maybe you become the third wheel. You become the third person. You got cat, dog, and human. And the dog is going, oh, wow. So this lady can play with the cat and me and Maybe I can just play with the lady. So those are things that we would take very gradually. Now, granted, it doesn't sound to me like you have the most normal of dogs that we're doing. No. Okay. No. And in this case, right, I, I actually was just trying to foster getting the dog to interact with the cat in a safe and fun way that was introducing a new play for both of them. Right. Um, this dog will... Um, what I was meaning when I said, like, I was interrelating it was I used a way that the cat likes to play to encourage the cat to interact with this little dog. And that I had never thought of it in terms of how do my dogs play on their own and how do I use how they play on their own to right. get them to enjoy play with me? I mean, all of my dogs, if I get out their kibble and a clicker or a squeeze light and stuff like they're down like they want to learn they're having fun with all of that right um but I would actually like them to have a little bit more recreational like we are just playing 
Good. So let's look at that. So when your dog goes out into the yard, what do they do? Do they run the yard <laughs> they and bark? They bark and everything. <laughs> awesome. So we have a bark fest. Um, but I would look at do they do they run? Do they? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you. So in other words, they like to chase each other. Yes. Okay. So that means they might like to chase things. Right. So this might be something we take a you know an object. It doesn't have to be a a ball or anything like that, but put something that can move. And I normally use a flirt pole. And what I mean by that is basically a stick with a string on it with a toy or something tied to the end. It doesn't have to be a $50 flirt pole that you buy online. I use buggy whips a lot. You can use a piece of PVC with a rope threaded through it with the toy on the other end. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. A fishing rod works fan fantastic as well. And so you put for those of us who are like flirt pole deficient. That would be me. <laughs> how, how do you like? I, so I have a, so, so this is going to be like truth and consequences. So like I have a flirt pole. I get it out. I go, I don't really know what to do with this. So also, I'll start with <laughs> is, is think about what, and, and you do are, are dealing with feral dogs. And a lot of dogs have some instinct about things move. And I have to look for, I look at it because it moved. Well, if you look at how prey moves, they typically, especially when they're dying, they're, they're doing what we call little short staccato type movements. So you're almost like barely jerking this little toy across the ground. It doesn't have to be big sweeping movements. It's just little staccato-like movements that catch the dog's eye. And, you know, they might even just look at it and, you know, you pop it again. Then they look and you pop it again. And they take a step and you pop it again. And they take another step and you pop it again. So you, they're basically chasing the toy even though you're kind of at this stage still luring them to chase the toy okay and you um keep it low to the ground because a lot of people or a lot of dogs when you're holding a stick in your hand the dog goes well, you're oh. obviously gonna beat them exactly <laughs> <laughs> so um so you know and it doesn't even have to be on a stick you can do this this is what i do with puppies all the time is i just put a toy on a rope especially i love this exercise when i have puppies and children that's exactly yeah. what i was going to say i i was doing this with my grandkids my grand my three-year-old granddaughter was over and wanted to play with my dog in the backyard and i'm like okay so i had this this cheap leash that i picked up at the vet's office i clipped it onto a toy that had a rope running through it and i said have at it and she yeah. went out in the backyard and she ran around and zuzu chased her and they grabbed it and then they sat down in the liriope and talked for a while and then they got up and they ran again and they had, they probably did this for, you know, 30 minutes or more. They had a grand time. But one of the things I was going to say is that, that um, I think it's important to, for people to understand when you're doing this, when you're starting to introduce types of play. And it was really natural between Gracie and Zuzu, uh, Gracie being my granddaughter, Zuzu being my dog, um, was that it was in short snippets of time. I think yeah. when you're when you're dealing with this, when you're trying to teach a dog to play, when you're trying to get them to interact without overreacting or, you know, perhaps escalating too far, which is what happens with the puppy, is that if you do it in short periods of time and cats are like that. And that's why I thought the cat example was great, because cats tend to play in short bursts of time. 
They tend to play in, you know, 5, 10, 20 second kind of things. And that might be just perfect for a dog learning to play because it it's intriguing, but it's not overwhelming. And I think exactly. people need to remember that when you're playing with a dog for the first time, especially one who doesn't know how to play, be intriguing, but not overwhelming. Do it in small chunks of time and end on a happy note. And when it's successful, so the dog is eager to do it again. You can push it too far. Um, like when Gracie, um, when Zuzu finally said, I've had enough, Gracie came inside. And there was something that real natural to the rhythm with one another. So now when Grace came over again, Zuzu's like, yes, this is super. Gracie, let's go outside and play with the toy again. Yeah. So and, anyway, and that's that, my take. That, that's real important is, you know, I mean, and successful may be simply the look on the dog's face that was like, that was almost fun. <laughs> you know, wow, that didn't suck, right? right? I mean, that was almost, oh my God, I didn't have a really bad time looking at that little thing that's moving in the grass. Wow, awesome. Um, and, you know, so that's one way to start it. Now, now, granted, most dogs, and especially the people that I work with, tend to have the opposite problem. It's like, oh my God, my dog wants to play all the time. They're stealing things. They're, you know, I can't get things back from them and they're just jumping all over me all the time. So I think actually the bigger problem that I have with most of my clients, because I really don't work with a lot of feral dogs, Tina, um, <laughs> is, um, is to actually get them to understand how to play so that the dogs don't get overwhelmed. And I think Zuzu and Gracie was a great example of that in that uh, we take it in short snippets of time. and But there are some dogs that we're going to have to go, okay, we have to take a break for a second. And that might mean you have to kennel up for a second. We might have to put you on your mat for a second. We might have to just take a breather. Okay, now let's go. So let's get wild and then let's, let's, and let's go crazy and then let's chill out for a little bit. So we right. intersperse those two types of things. Um, you know, I would think it was... Uh, um, Sophia Yen talked about that when she was working with her her little dog that she he loved to play fetch, but he would just get just so excited he'd spill over the top. And so what she did was between every toss of the ball, she made him sit. Right. And um, so I, I institute that a lot with my owner. Say just make the dog sit. One is you're now adding in some obedience training in a fun situation so that the dog learns that sit is what make things happen. So it's it makes training more fun for everybody but it also sometimes just that <gasps> sit take a breath then I throw the ball is enough to keep a dog from spilling over from excitement into more than necessary excitement um, right. the other thing that I just wanted to mention too that I, I I think deserves reiterating is the idea that you said of mirroring the dog's play I think that if you think about being a mirror, if you see something the dog does, if you can mirror it back to them, it's a language exactly. they're going to understand and be more likely to engage with you because, um, not to be um, anthropomorphic, but I am going to be anthropomorphic, is you can just sort of see the dog going, oh, you get it. You understand me. Yeah. So the more you can mirror what they're offering, the more they're likely to say, I think this person gets me. I can. They're safe to engage with. And and there are dogs that don't necessarily want to play with toys. They just want to play with you. And you have to kind of look at that. Is so uh, my new dog is a little border collie mix, not overly 
fond of being touched. She's actually not very friendly when being touched sometimes. And so for me to play with him, um, absolutely toy crazy, 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 which that's a whole nother deal. But I've actually started doing a lot more what I call personal play. Because uh, there's toy play, there's food play, there's personal play. Personal play doesn't involve food or toys. Yay, it's just the two of us. And so one of the things that I can do, he's a border collie. He likes to move. I'm old, fat, and have bad knees. I don't move well. <laughs> um, so I kind of get down and do the little hey, And I kind of touch him on the shoulder. And then I turn away real fast because that's about all I can manage, right? And he's like, whoa, that was kind of fun. So I call it tag. Oh, okay. Yeah. I touch and I run. And he's like, oh, my God. So guess what? He's now going, please touch me because I get to chase you, even though it's two feet, for God's sakes. Yeah. Um, you know, and I actually put that on cue. Tag, I touch, I run. Sit. Tag, I touch, I run. Down. Tag, I touch, I run. He's going, oh, my God, this is the best game ever. Granted, he prefers toys. Um, but it is something that I'm doing. And I can do that in a hotel room where I don't have to be right. throwing toys all the time. Uh, you know, you could also do that in a vet's office. One of the things that yes. I do is um, I try to take toys with me to the vet's office because sometimes they're not interested in treats. But I remember with, like with my dog Bingley, I would take a tennis ball. And those vet's offices are small, but we would do things like I'd make him face the wall. I'd say, no, you stay. And I'd hide it behind him. So we yeah. were playing, you know, because he loved to find stuff. Yeah. That was his big thing. So when you said that, I thought, what another great game to help your dog feel comfortable in the vet's office. If you've got a game that you play that you've instituted that's really fun and also, too, doesn't require food, which is really it nice because sometimes you don't want to feed your dog at the vet's. You so. know, another one that I, I mean, my golden loved this a lot was butt scratches, just right there above the tail. Right. Yes. Butt oh, my God. And she would go through my legs and mm -hmm. she'd be facing backwards and so there's my her butt right in front of me right and I'm doing scratches and her butt's just moving left and right she's like oh my god this is so fun and that was actually something I did before I went in the ring because she's like oh my god we're so connected I can't have food but I have my mommy so <laughs> that that's again that's personal play yeah we used um, to call that butt dancing we had two yes. um we had two um flat-coated retrievers my dog Bingley and my daughter's dog Tex and two, the, both of them would be between your legs and you'd be butt scratching and they'd be doing this dancing yes. with the back legs. I have a great video. If I can find it, I'll put it up. But this great video of the Perfect. two of them butt dancing. Perfect. It was just, yeah, yeah it's, wonderful it's thing. And of course, no, you, you look at the other end and uh, you look at their mouth and their head is up. Yes. And their mouth is, they're just like, oh my God, this is so fun. And, but again, you have to ask your dog. Cause if I did that with my border collie, he'd go, for starters, I don't want to be between your legs because now I'm trapped and I don't like that. And I don't know what you're doing back there. So I'm not real fond of that. So I have to ask, does your dog like that? So you do it a few seconds and then you stop and you ask the dog, did you like that? And if he goes, no, not really. I think I'm going to go over here and lay down or I'm just going to run away or whatever. You go, okay, that was a no-go. That was a definite no, that didn't work for you. So let's find another way to play. And so those are things you have to kind of, you have to ask your dog, do you like that? It's kind of like having a partner, right? Do you like to hold hands? Do you like to uh, be hugged? Do you like to go to a movie? What is it that you do like to do together? And you kind of have to ask your dog those same questions. So Tina, with your feral dogs, do they like to be touched? Do, uh, would those be options of play for you? So Marco, definitely. Like he's, 
like a ridiculous cuddle bug. And I think some of it is that, that um, activation of the parasympathetic nervous system. He just feels better having good, strong contact. And I will say, like, he's very, um, we joke, we call it pot cake charging, right? You like, if you sit in the recliner, you're going to be wearing the pot cake because he wants to lay on you and press <laughs> and try to suck the life force out of you. Um, the other pot cake is a little bit different. He likes to chase game. He finds it a little bit intimidating, but I think that's how the game was introduced. We didn't introduce it. His previous um, family did. Um, but that's getting better. He's not nearly as creepy about it as he used to be. Um, and he likes butt scratches. And, and his new game that he devised is to play with my feet while I'm walking and he's not grabbing him. He's just like chicken pecking my feet <laughs> when I'm walking, which will probably result in a head injury for me. But say, I can see some problematic things coming out of that. Just saying. Yes. Yeah. I mean, fortunately we don't have stairs. Um, and so I, and so he also will, um, will come up between my legs and just like, laugh there like he has a really good laugh so um he thinks that's funny right that's so I've just started trying to make that a game where if he comes up between my legs I just kind of we do cuddles and laugh and then I pivot and turn perfect so that he gets to offer that again nice. and he gets the kind of scratches he likes and then I might take three steps away and stand in the position that if he wants to engage, he can come over and do it again. And he's starting to think that that's really funny. Nice. Um, I also realized, like, I might just suck at playing, right? <laughs> like, I know that sounds dumb, but, like, I, I don't have little kids anymore. Like, I don't really, I don't really play. Like, I don't like being tickled. Like I don't do a lot of play. And so I'm starting to realize like some of it may just be that like, I'm like the weird ugly duckling of play too. And so then there's this weird pressure that we just end up like, I don't know, awkwardly looking at each other going now what? Um, so I am trying to just pay attention to what they offer and see how to make that silly. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's it's funny. I mean, we say dogs, you know, don't read our body language as well as we'd like them to. But, you know, there are times, you know, you know that that little you kind of you open your eyes wide and you get that that big smile and you're kind of bending at the knees and you're almost doing that. I'm going to get you kind of sort of thing. And obviously there's some dogs that go, oh, my God, you're scaring the heck out of me. And there's some dogs that are going, right. oh, my God, this is so fun. Right. And, um, you know, so, again, those are things that you can something as simple as that. I'm going to get you. And then instead of you chasing the dog, especially if your dog doesn't like to be chased, the dog likes to chase. Um, my golden retriever playing with other dogs, there's no way she would be chased. She would do the chasing, but she would not be chased. Right. So as long as she could play with other dogs that were okay with always being chased, she was fine. Obviously, I don't be chased. I just don't do that. And so I learned to play with her based on how she did close play. So there's that chase play where they're, you know, the dogs are running back and forth and are chasing each other. 
as a human, we can somewhat imitate that with a flirt pole. And sometimes that's even what we do with throwing a toy that they go and get and bring it back and all that kind of stuff. That That's influencing that movement uh, desire a little bit. Um, but then if you've got those dogs that are are doing a lot of close play with each other, they're rah, 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 you know, they're mouthing each other and they're chewing on each other's and you see all their teeth and the more teeth you see, the better. And their mouths are wide and they're just chewing on each other's faces or they pull each other's tails or whatever. Um, then you can imitate that. And that's what I did with my golden Cassidy. She was so, of course, she wasn't very friendly with people when I first got her either. She'd been in an abusive situation. And um, I tend to have a knack for those for some reason, because my border colleagues definitely had a bad issue as well. Um, but um, I actually taught her to play with me doing personal play in a hotel room with her on the bed. And I would push her shoulder with my arm and she would mouth my arm. And of course, people are going, oh, my God, you let her put teeth on your body. I'm like, yeah, I did. And um, that was her game was to mouth my arm. She never broke skin. She was just very that was her thing because that's how she played with other dogs. We she call that very, the ugly face game in our house. Yes. Yes. And uh, so I tried to imitate that, you know, so my my hands become a dog's mouth and I'm doing and then I push her with my hand and she comes back and she she uh, grabs my forearm in her mouth and I play a little bit of tug and and she's going, Jesus, I didn't know you were a dog. This is pretty cool. (laughs) And um, and that's kind of how I started the process of teaching her to play with me is I elevated her because I wasn't going to get down on her level. Um, so I elevated her on the bed and that's where I started to teach her how to play. And um, I have to admit, I just did a session with my border colleague doing the same thing. He's on the bed and I kind of pushed him and took a toy and we played because he likes toys better than anything. So I touched him and I played tug. I touched him and I played tug and I touched him. And I played tug. He's like, okay, you can touch me now. I like that. Um, cause we were actually working on collar grabs, which is a really bad thing with, in his vocabulary. Um, so, you know, so personal play is something that takes a relationship and it takes trust. Um, you know, I remember watching at a seminar one time, a little gal came out, actually she's a big gal, came out with a little chihuahua and she sat on the floor and she had like a sheet over her lap. And her hands were under the sheet. And she basically played hide and seek with her hands with her dog. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. dog had so much fun. This is a little dog that it's a chihuahua mix, right? It's this teeny tiny little thing. It's overwhelmed. The environment is really, oh, my God, there's so many people here. And she gets out there in the middle and she starts playing handsies with her little chihuahua underneath the sheet. And that dog had a blast. And literally she left in tears. I had no idea I could play with my dog like that. So it doesn't have to be big and bold. It doesn't. Your dog can have fun with you. And, you know, the adrenaline, the, the, uh, um, the, um, the chemicals that are released in the body. Oh my God. It just feels good. When you laugh, we know statistically when you laugh, when you smile, your body feels better. There's good stuff going on in your brain. There's good stuff going on in your system. And the same thing can be with dogs. So 
personal play. A lot of dogs don't aren't into that because you don't know how to play their style. So that's one thing you 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 need to investigate is watch them, imitate them playing with another dog if you have that. Um, if not, um, you know, start small. Start with little mm-hmm. things and then build up to bigger things. Don't start with you know uh, playing tag, touching and running because there's my golden. If I did that with her, she'd go. You pushed me. What? Right, like was I a bad dog? Were you thinking? No. Pushed me. So it's funny. I talk about this in classes all the time. That like in our household, we're just not big rough players, right? So if I even try to demonstrate, like jazz them up, settle them down with rough play with my dogs, they all just go, "Oh my goodness, what has happened?" Mom has lost her mind. She's crazy today. Um, and they're just really, they're just like shell shocked. Um, punished. Well, so I wouldn't say, I wouldn't do it if I thought that they were taking it that hard, but th- they are a little bit like, okay, wait, what's happening? Like, right. what are we, what are we doing? It would be like if I was in conversation with Taunton and didn't cuss, he wouldn't know what to do with that. So, I don't cuss at him. I just have a filthy potty mouth. So no. he would be like, wow, are there microphones? Like, why, <laughs> why are we using clean language all of a sudden? Um, so the it, it's funny that the dogs do just settle into whatever the play style in the household is. Yes. I think that's very good, very astute observation, um, you know, because they do pick up on their environment. And I do totally like play hide and go seek with them. And I, and they like to do the follow me around incessantly in the house thing. And so I will eventually start to like hum a tune and make funny patterns with the following mommy around. Yeah. (laughs) Until they're like, okay, we, we think you're messing with us. And I'm like, (laughs) right. Like you might need to go find something else to do. Like stop following me around. But I do that, and they're like, "You're just weird." Yeah. Um, and go find something else to do. But but I have totally like we walk around in the bedroom and curly cues down the hallway, and they're like, "Okay, you're just the weirdest mom ever." And I'm like, "Right, Island of Misfit Toys." So I so now that I think about it, I do play with them, but it's mostly just straight up silliness. Well, that's cool. And I also, to be fair, randomly put on like a giant shark shark costume and walk around the house going dun, 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 dun. So maybe they just weird. Well, so so feral dogs who worry about physical changes. So we do a lot of that. Like I put a wig on and look like Cher for an afternoon. Okay. We know one of the things. One of the things I was, I was going to say that, that, that it seems to me that the themes coming up, um, Carrie, you're talking a lot about how you're using play to help your dogs who have behavior problems. And so when people you know, ask me, why play? Why is it so important? I think you hit a couple of really important points. One is, is it provides you an opportunity to do some behavior modification to help your dog become comfortable with normal things like being touched or, you know, you moving in an interesting way. So it helps them become more accustomed to, to what's normal and to what is, is good in this environment. 
Two, it releases those endorphins, and that's so important for for people and for dogs to help them to feel safe and comfortable in an area. And it gives them something to do when um, they're feeling either edgy or excited or whatever. So I think play can serve a lot of purposes. One, it's, it's fun. Two, it's bonding between you and your dog. Three, it's a great way for you to teach your dog new skills or new ways of, of dealing with stress in a way that's playful and fun. Um, I tend to, when, when, I, when I'm talking to people about, you know, they, they want to get off of food rewards, I'm like, okay, then let's talk about play. Because play for many dogs is just as, if not more rewarding than food. So I think that you can use play not, not just because it's fun, but because it's good for you. I think play is just really good for you and good for your dog. So as always, Karen's giving us really great information about um, play with with our dogs. What we're going to do is we're going to actually wrap up this episode and record another one and leave this one as just play in general and personal play. We're going to create another episode that's about food play and toy play so that we have an opportunity to to explore this uh, more fully. So I just want to thank Karen for an a- another absolutely fantastic episode. And we'll catch you next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.